logic lecture notes, modus ponens, and tollens. In the last lesson, I mentioned that each week we would cover a different logical argument or fallacy. These lessons in logic should be useful to you, not only in this class, but in any circumstance where you have to give an argument, defend a claim, or evaluate an argument given by someone else. For the majority of this class, we'll be looking at what are called informal fallacies, since informal fallacies, or mistakes in reasoning, are actually quite common, and it can be useful to learn how to spot them in your own thinking and writing, as well as spot them in others. One of the funniest pieces of course feedback I've ever received came from a student who wrote that she used what she learned about logic in this class to knock down all the arguments made by her friend's boyfriends. First, however, we're going to be spending a few lessons on formal logic since it will hopefully give you a bit of a grounding in logic proper before we move on to the more diffuse task of spotting and evaluating informal fallacies. Remember that for the time being, we are dealing with deductive arguments. Deductive arguments are logically airtight. In an inductive argument, it's possible for the premises to be true and the conclusion false. Remember the example of your neighbor's dog. It's possible that every time you've seen the dog in the past, it's been friendly toward you, and yet the next time you see the dog, it will try to bite you. Of course, we don't worry about this, and I don't think you should worry about this. But logically speaking, it is technically possible for the dog to be aggressive the next time you encounter it. On the other hand, if the premises of a deductive argument are true, then the conclusion of the argument must be true. Deductive arguments guarantee the truth of the conclusion so long as the premises are true. Three valid argument forms. Remember the concept of validity discussed in the last module? Validity refers to an argument that has good form or structure. Which argument forms are good is something you would learn to demonstrate and work out for yourself if this was purely a logic class. Since this isn't a class on logic and we have a lot to cover, we're going to take a major shortcut instead. I'm simply going to teach you three different valid argument forms, and you're going to have to trust me that these are in fact valid argument forms. They are modus ponens, modus tollens, and disjunctive syllogism. We'll cover disjunctive syllogisms in an upcoming module, and modus ponens and modus tollens right here. Please note that these are not the only valid argument forms. They're just three common valid, valid argument forms. If you're curious about why they're valid, send me a message. However, for the purposes of this class, we will pretend that these are the only valid forms. This means that if I give you an argument and ask you to evaluate whether or not it's valid, you should simply determine whether the argument is one of these three types. If it's not, then you can safely conclude that it is not valid. First, modus ponens. Let's look at how modus ponens work. Modus ponens is sometimes also called affirming the antecedent. What's an antecedent? The antecedent is what comes before, or it's the if part of the if-then statement we see in modus ponens. So in modus ponens, we're affirming the truth of the antecedent. The basic form is as follows. Premise one, if P, then Q. Premise two, P. Conclusion, therefore Q. Of course, P and Q are just symbolic letters that we can replace with any sentence clause. So let's look at some examples. Premise one, if Socrates is a human being, then Socrates is mortal. Premise two, Socrates is a human being. Conclusion, therefore, Socrates is mortal. 
Another example. If cake is made with sugar, then the cake is sweet. Cake is made with sugar. Therefore, the cake is sweet. Final example. If the sky is blue, then it is not raining. The sky is blue. Therefore, it is not raining. So as you already know, modus ponens is a valid form of reasoning. This means that the structure of any modus ponens argument is good. But the fact that the form of an argument is good doesn't tell us whether or not the argument has true premises. So what about the arguments given here above? Do you think the premises are true? Well, can you think of a reason the cake wouldn't be sweet in the second example? Perhaps someone added a lot of salt or vinegar to the recipe as well? Or how about a time when you could see blue sky, but it was also raining? In other words, a logically valid argument form, like modus ponens, cannot tell us whether the premises are actually true. And thus it is possible to have an argument that is valid, but is not sound. All of the three above examples are valid, but only the first one was sound because only the first one had two true premises. Quick reminder, the first one was, if Socrates is a human being, then Socrates is mortal. Socrates is a human being, therefore Socrates is mortal. Modus tollens. Next, we're gonna talk about modus tollens, otherwise known as denying the consequent. Just like antecedent was the before or if part of the if-then conditional, you've guessed it, the consequent is the after or the then part of the if-then statement or conditional. So modus tollens goes premise one, if P then Q, premise two, not Q, conclusion, so not P. You've probably already noticed that this is confusingly similar to modus pollens. Personally, I remember the difference by looking at the letters T and P. My trick is to remember that we take away in modus tollens by denying the consequent, and we put in place by affirming the antecedent in modus ponens. Again, if you replace P and Q with any sentence clause, you will have a valid argument with good form. But remember, this does not necessarily mean that the premises are true. So let's look at some examples. If the dog detects an intruder, the dog will bark. The dog did not bark. Therefore, the dog did not detect an intruder. If I own an elephant, then I own an animal. I do not own an animal. Therefore, I do not own an elephant. Okay, let's think about each of these examples. Are either of these arguments sound? i.e. are their premises true? I want you to think about it very carefully on your own to test yourself before moving onwards. And I will reread the arguments so you can think about them. First one, if the dog detects an intruder, the dog will bark. The dog did not bark. Therefore, the dog did not detect an intruder. The next one, if I own an elephant, then I own an animal. I do not own an animal. Therefore, I do not own an elephant. Okay, let's evaluate them together now. How about the first one? The key here is in the conditional, the if-then statement. If the dog detects an intruder, the dog will bark. Is this true? It might normally be true. Dogs normally do bark at intruders. But this if-then statement says something a lot stronger than dogs normally bark. What it's saying is more like, there is no way the dog will not bark if the dog detects an intruder. 
And that's just way too strong. It's totally possible for a dog to be very friendly and not bark at intruders, or maybe the dog is shy and runs away from intruders, or maybe something is wrong with the dog's vocal cords and it cannot make a barking noise. Thus, the first argument is valid because it's modus tollens, but it is not sound because the first premise is not true. What about the second one? Of course, it might not be true of you personally, but imagine a person who doesn't own any pets or animals, as the second premise says. In their case, both premises are true. It's definitely true that if you own an element elephant, you own an animal. Thus, this argument is sound. Okay, an important note. For both modus ponens and modus tollens, it's extremely important to get the position correct. It is not a valid form of reasoning to deny the antecedent, the first if part of the if then, and then conclude the negation of the consequent, the then part. Similarly, you can't affirm the consequent and then affirm the antecedent. I've included examples of each of these below. So affirming the consequent, which is to be clear, a fallacy, not good reasoning. If Socrates is a human being, then Socrates is mortal. Socrates is mortal, the second part. Therefore, Socrates is a human being. Okay, denying the antecedent, again, a fallacy, not good reasoning, not the same as modus ponens or modus tollens. If Socrates is a human being, then Socrates is mortal. Socrates is not a human being, denying the first part. Therefore, Socrates is not mortal. The problem with this is that there are all kinds of mortal creatures who are not human beings. Thus, it's possible for the premises here to be true and the conclusion false, which is the sign that an argu this argument form is not valid. Okay, one further note. What about a conditional, an if-then statement, that involves not already? So what about the phrase, if it is not raining, then it is not wet outside? Could we do, for example, a modus tollens on this statement? Yeah, we can. The way to deny a negation is to simply take away the negation. So a modus tollens argument using this statement would sound like this. If it is not raining, then it is not wet outside. And modus tollens, we're going to deny the consequent. So we say it is wet outside. And therefore, the conclusion also denies the antecedent. Therefore, it is raining. 